212, yes. Yo. It's King Ghidra, combined with the forces of Nahitha. Blowing woofers and tweeters, shaking syllable meters. Disasters cataclysmic, mystic natural. It's about time we hit y'all with some substances actual. I got a gift call, hip-hop prophecy. Since 2003 ends the reign of the GBMC. No more roaming on this planet like scavengers. Scientists broke the code of the Gregorian calendar. Defying laws of space and time. Trying to trace my lines, hold up, respect the architect. Digital rolling, my whole crew roll with BS. Type the master this Whole universe in three steps. We stretch across the equator with something major. Universal rhyme tones tamper with your time zone. Minds blown by the millions just for the feeling. Hip hop, it just don't stop until I make a killing. Now nah, I'm kidding, but for real, the world ain't the same no more. Take your life to next level or remain no more. Take your life to next level or remain no more. Word up, word up. Well, I'm colliding with the mind of a survivor, surviving uncovered at the time, brother. The high volume, wide column, high slide of verb jogging the Side. Dodging mirages, conquer the vibe, hunger lurks, not a five work saga. God bless the life, father trife, travel the light, balance the globe on flight, vocal pimp in the stroke, so you know how it go down, yo. Struggle the ghetto, yo. Metal throat, settle the dough. Live showbiz, the cannonball, weapon, men at arms, four section. Super intelligence, balance, benevolence, stinging nettle medicine. Crouch, tiger, dragon, craftmatic, posture back, get catch this, passes through the atlas. First class, diplomatic status, stagma flag, then overstanding the plan, boss. Can't identify camera shots, streets watch, time X clocks, punch lunch on the dot, five minutes to rock. So we blue block cruise, it's old news how we do. Drop one rhyme for every time I cross the thin line. Between yours and mine, see it's part of my design. Shifting paradigm, yin and yang combined. You must be out your mind. Think it's star would never shine. Props do. Focus with a hawk's eye view. I'm all that a plant and answer my towns do. Getting spinach, British, ATL to Venice. Even Abercrombie figures open off this verb elixir. Magnetic attraction. Roy Millie Jackson. Straight opening the captions. Here comes a Hicks and Braxton. Lyrical contraction. Delivery reaction. Started with a passion. That's just the way it happens. One with umbilical cords strapped to corks. Won't drop a curse while hustlers if this vows. Sharper than needles. Found no IVs for the people. Y'all beating for the sequel and the beast. Not even eating. Oh, it's back. We're back. And, uh, oh, fuck, we didn't think it was back in um, I don't even know what the show is called. It feels like it's been forever since we recorded. I don't even remember how everything works. Yeah, it's, only, it's only been two weeks, though. So it's like... Right. And I even recorded last week, but that felt like... That feels like that was ages ago. I don't know what it is. Something about this show... Perplex me that the schedule makes me feel like it's few and far between. I guess because I enjoy doing it so much. When, um, how I don't know. Did you have a? Did you want to name the show anything? What are we this week? I was trying. I was trying to think of something Bray Wyatt related because I don't know if you caught the segment last <laughs> night on SmackDown. I did not. Where he he decided. So I don't even know if you know what I'm talking about. But Daniel Bryan, who apparently is a face now. Yes. Is um is in the ring cutting a promo and the Firefly Funhouse pops up and then the fiend decides he's gonna drag 
Daniel Bryan down under the ring. And then after Bryan is completely submerged under the ring, Bray Wyatt starts pulling out pieces of what is implied is to be Daniel Bryan's hair. And just holding it in his hand and showing it off. And I think it's implying that he cut off Bryan's hair and beard. Which well, is obviously the most the most dastardly thing any 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 yeah, fiend could do. <laughs> that's amazing. Now he's a he's also a, a beautician and a fiend. Um, ah, that's uh, a <laughs> fantastic. Hopefully he can you know get the eye patch back as well. The cape. The, as the as as this is happening, it's just funny. So we we had um plugged the. Uh, Jihad Scorsese do for yeah, yeah. the GCW and AEW articles he was writing. And I follow, I kept following him after that. And I realized, like, oh, this might sort of be a WWE apologist account. Oh, is it? <laughs> it might be because as I'm sitting there, I'm just still following him. And next thing I know, he's going on this thread about explaining in depth the Fiend character and why the Fiend exists. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, that's um, interesting. I guess this week, how about this to play off of that? And the first news story I'll get into, we can be uh, the barber and or the bully and the barber. How's that? <laughs> also, with the butcher and the blade showing up in AEW. Um, okay, that works. Yeah, because I guess uh, that's the big stories in WWE this week is uh, cyberbullying <laughs> and cutting people's hair. Um, how much of the stuff with Moro Ronaldo and Corey Graves have you seen? I know when I posted about I haven't uh, seen a fucking seen bit of this. <laughs> okay. So Moro Ronaldo is doing NXT like he always does uh, on TakeOver, and uh, which we'll review the f- show later. Um, and... Corey Graves feels the need to tweet. Uh, there's a WWE Hall of Famer and former ROH uh, champion on commentary as well, but you wouldn't know it, um, implying that Moro needs to shut the fuck up, which I think we can all agree that Moro needs to shut the fuck up, right? I mean, you know, he's he's ridiculous. The shit that he says is over the top. Um, but he's but he's the lead but he's the lead commentator. Why would he? Right. Shut up? <laughs> what right. the fuck? I know. I know. Moro Ronaldo goes off the deep end, disappears. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's got mental health issues, they say, and all this, but so do a lot of people, you know, and they show up to work every day. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say that you're not allowed to have mental health issues or whatever it is, but, you know, tons of people do. It's just the way life is. Uh, Corey Graves so, so is what, a fucking so, idiot. So what, so what does Dave Meltzer come into this? I'm confused. Dave Meltzer talks about it on his podcast and that's where that's the reason why you're asking about that is because i mentioned that and it's fucking unlistenable the guy it's like the auditory version on the podcast of like cryptic tweets he just he has gotten so bad at just dancing around issues where he's got backstage information but he wants he wants you to know that he knows the real information and that it's you know not what you think but he doesn't want to say anything and so it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, the real person who should have shut the fuck up was Dave. He's talking, he's like, well, I know the real, you know, the reason why he won't uh, do that, but I can't, you know, but it, it's it's kind of a thing. And Alvarez is basically, you know, p- poking at the bear 
Hey, well, if he needs to delete the tweets. He needs to just delete them. Like, well, there's, you know, there's a reason why he doesn't delete the, but you know, it's, and well, if the only, if the reason why he's not deleting the tweets is just because he's not actually sorry or whatever, then sure. But he needs to, if he is sorry, then he should be deleted. And it's the whole while. I'm just like, just don't say it. Like the thing is me and you, I try really hard not to bring up anything that I'm not going to be able to talk about on the show. Right. Yeah. But like, if I am, I'm going to like, not feel the need to then also be like, well, actually I do know, you know, but, uh, I just can't say, but, uh, I do know, you know, the thing is, is that or I know. Just edit, or, or just edit the shit out because no one wants to hear you like stammer over your words right. over things that you want to say, but you can't say publicly because you're afraid of whatever consequences. And it's not even that he wants to say it. He just, he wants you to know that he knows <laughs> like that's, that's the part that's insane to me. I'm like, I don't fuck it. Like, just so you know, Quentin, I know there's some things that I know. I can't say them, but I just want everybody to know that I'm, I know things and, uh, you know, I know them. So it's important that you all know that I know some stuff that I can't say on the podcast, but I know it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know some stuff I can't say on the podcast, but like, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just, I just won't, I just won't mention it. <laughs> yeah. And then when those topics come up, I don't like tease at it. I just act like I don't fucking know anything. But yeah, and, and, and what he's saying, I guess, makes sense. Corey Graves does his apology on his podcast, and you know the reason is because if you apologize on Twitter, it actually just makes it worse because you're feeding the mob. Because that's where the, you know, that's where the people who are out for red meat are on Twitter. But if you apologize on your podcast, then everybody knows that you're sorry, but they don't, go, it's, they don't go after you. I get like, just, all of it is ridiculous. Dave needs to fucking retire. <laughs> like he is out of it. But then there is no uncop, uncoopted media wrestling media it's fucking great it's like it felt like we were entering in like a first you know it's not even like a return of a golden age like a first golden age of wrestling media with all of these companies and then like you know ross app and uh brian satin get co-opted by wwe instantly and so we're we're back to dave is the guy meanwhile the whole time pro wrestling torch is pretty solid honestly like they it's actually the only like close to real journalism and wrestling and they yeah, it's, the, even... it's the it's the yeah, it's the only one where it's like they don't really have any sort of like relationship there that they're clearly trying to protect yeah they're never really trying to protect relationships they're friendly with some people and wrestlers and and you know they get their sources and their info but they're never really super biased also the great thing about torch and i've said it many times is that torch really feels like a like a journalistic endeavor where there's multiple contributors who have their own voice so you don't have just one voice who is co- can be just co-opted by whatever group or whatever person because they're they're kind of it when it comes to the end all be all of things that are reported so the great thing is like sure bruce mitchell can be buddies with with stutz and he can say some things about stutz that's like whatever and who cares like you know but then you're gonna have other people on the same website who say the counterpoints and don't necessarily aren't necessarily co-opted so it's just funny because they get no no one talks about torch though that's the weird thing is that no one really except for like the the small torch bubble of people who actually pay attention to it nobody else outside of the torch talks about it i guess probably because there's no real controversy to dunk on for the most part like they they do a pretty good job of being professional and being journalistic and like it's kind of funny to to think about that that we're back down to basically torch being the only real wrestling journalism and you know again nobody pays attention to it and then dave being fucking ridiculous um so yeah that was all that stuff i don't know i mean you obviously like you said you didn't really follow much of it um the news of at the time that we're recording this the last thing i heard was you know from from alvarez so who fucking knows the report is uh mora will be at nxt next week 
you know, as of right now, he's supposed to be there, but nothing is officially announced. But he should. It was be weird there. that he. It was weird that he wouldn't be there in the first place. Right. Because all all Corey Graves. Granted, it was a stupid fucking tweet, but I guess he was. I guess he was implying that Moro keeps talking over everybody. Right. Which, yeah, I mean Moro does, but that's what most lead announcers in WWE do. So. Like I, it was just it was like a weird singling out thing, but still, I was like, why would you not show up to work after that? Right, and I think that Corey is bold, emboldened by the fact that he's kind of treated like he's Vince's voice on commentary on the main products. So I think that he, oh yeah, he, oh yeah, he clearly he clearly is. He's clearly the next guy. Yeah, and and so it you know, and not even just that he's the next guy, but he fits like the same role like JBL did. He says the things yeah. that Vince wishes he could be saying on commentary so i think that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally totally that graves thinks that that means that he can get away with saying whatever he wants even outside of the context of of the commentary on the show because you know he's speaking for vince but you know that's not the case vince is not going to actually back you up um completely in these situations so yeah i mean whatever fuck I, we're gonna talk about uh beyond wrestling later you want to talk about some bad commentary i mean moro is a drop in the bucket compared to those guys really and i was defending them a couple weeks ago kind of on this show um but man they're bad um the only other kind of news notes from the week are both kind of similarly related about women uh women leaving companies basically i don't know how much of this you've seen but i guess i'll start with kylie ray um comes out with her statement on the aew issue uh i feel like it didn't do much to kind of make things more clear did you check out the her addressing it no it didn't it didn't really say anything yeah other than like trying to take any heat off of anyone which like i, I don't know i don't feel like it really makes me feel 100 percent sure that any i'm, of the kind of I'm not say, i'm not saying i'm not doing, doing this from a conspiracy theory standpoint but it's like yeah, it doesn't really say anything. It doesn't explain why someone like Kylie Ray would walk away from being the face of this brand new company's uh, women women's division because that's what she would have been. That doesn't really that doesn't really explain all of that. So while I'm glad that she puts out this statement and she's back to wrestling and she's probably going to win the freelance title off of Ethan Page, I'm I'm happy for all of that, but. I think we're not being honest with ourselves if we say we look at this and say that this answers the questions. Right. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I assume that her statement is not coerced, but you know, whatever the, the, the kind of terms of the, of the uh, kind of departure departure between the company and her may have had some things about no disparaging remarks. Right. So who knows if we'll ever find out the, the truth, you know, for real. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. Murky's the waters. And yeah, it's like, have... it's like yeah, I'm like I'm done dealing with it at this point. Yeah. Like, if everyone's gonna sweep it under the rug, if no one's gonna address it, if everyone's just gonna be like, you know what, whatever. She said that. We're gonna move on with our lives, and that's fine. No point thinking about it. I'm glad that Kylie rest- Kylie is wrestling again. Yeah, that's that's the all. Thing. Like that's that's all that's all we can do here. Right, because it had seemed like there was times where they were the rumors were flying around that she was not gonna be wrestling anymore. It seems like she's back pretty much going to be back full time it seems so that's good um the other one is kelly klein leaving roh uh under a you know a, a cloud of controversy the, seemingly 
leaving the company while still suffering a concussion that she had in in a wrestling match. Well, the, oh yeah, this is this is insane. Like yeah. everything about this is fucking insane. Yeah, uh, the whole thing is just being made more and more weird by by uh, Joey Mercury tweeting out insane stuff, lashing out at people in DMs that he then posts online, like making just everything fucking insane. Uh, Kelly Klein's, I guess, significant other. Uh, BJ Whitmer, technically, he, I think he's working for AEW, correct? So he's AEW producer. Yeah, so she's out of ROH with all of this hoopla around her. Probably seems like would show up in AEW. Not, I don't think a necessary addition to the women's roster, really, in any way. But whatever, you know, feels like the epitome of what they're saying they're not gonna do, which is just like grab any castouts. Especially this is like a third-rate promotion castout who's was not even a top level draw or important worker to them in any way so i don't know um i mean she was a, i mean she was their women's champion obviously they didn't do much with her like right. in that but she was she was like the most pushed pushed woman in roh and i think we'd be lying if we didn't say that this whole joey mercury versus um versus um the greg gill versus the greg gillian dude wasn't gonna at least boost up her cachet a little bit right yeah it is but i just don't think that she's She's not someone that they need, especially their women's division has enough people who are okay. You know what I mean? And not like top level workers. Um, well, I mean, yeah, this, this, I mean, this whole story is fucked though. I mean, realistically from top to bottom, this, this stuff is just fucked up. I, I was informed and I don't know if I put this out here. I put it out on Twitter, but I mentioned it on the podcast when I recorded last week, you know, that the, the issues with the office boy with Jim Cornette, I was informed it was the same Greg. So the same guy has been causing trouble you you backstage in ROH. You, you didn't know that? No, I didn't realize. I thought it was a different guy. So the same fucking guy has been causing trouble backstage in ROH for decades at this point. Um, at least a decade, right? Yeah, but, but ROH has been like a clown shoes promotion for the last, like, again, like 10, like 10 years or so. Like, yeah. it's been a whole decade of absolute buffoonery going on in <laughs> ROH. And... And no one's and no one's talked about it because obviously, like say, like TNA has publicly been worse right. than R than ROH has been. And WWE, WWE has done really really awful things publicly too. So ROH has kind of gotten away scot free for a lot of the stuff that's gone gone on back there. But ROH has been a fucking mess, yeah. dating back to dating back to even like you know what would be their hottest period or hottest periods of the decade, which is like you know the rise of Steen. And then the um like you know their twenty fifth their twenty fifteen run, even then fucking me- f- fucking mess backstage. Yeah, I mean all the stories of the Steen time was like the, you know the Steen was being told kind of that the stuff that was going on between him and and Cornette was a work, but then he didn't really know, and then it wasn't, and then they were trying to work you know, or sh- work into a shoot him and Davy Richards and all the, like what the fuck was all that too like goddamn right like, yeah it's a mess uh and it's been a mess and then on top of it like roh being a sloppy bitch and like fucking blocking kelly klein on twitter yeah what? i was saying just like block, <laughs> like blocked kelly klein what why what are you getting out of blocking her like it just looks R- petty roh is like Ugh. They uh, they have the Sinclair backing or whatever, but ROH. This this has been a like a fiery fiery death, like from the birth of AEW to New Japan slowly dis- distancing themselves away from them to um 
possibly the relationship with CMLL being up being being up in the air now. Is it just hasn't worked, and then it all it all is going to conclude with Rush versus PCO and Final Battle, where no one's in the building. And if you look at the Final Battle Fallout poster, um, which is um the t- the TV taping they do after Philly, that Marty's girl is not on the poster. <laughs> yeah, I mean his contract is up before Final Battle. I think he's yeah, doing some so, kind of uh, extension thing to go through Final Battle, but yeah. <laughs> This is ROHs, like all the they 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 really do deserve like all like every bit of slander and bad press that TNA was getting in 2015. They deserve every bit of it. Yeah, maybe even more. Honestly, at this point, I mean, Jesus, like, what is what is going on? Yeah. So, PCO versus Rush. That's a, that's a, that's your big main event for what should be Final Battle's always historically been the big show of the year for ROH, and that's where we're getting at at this point. I mean. Maybe, maybe if this had been when PCO signed with ROH and he had seemed like he had some buzz with a certain segment of, you know, the wrestling fandom, not, you know, not people on this call, unfortunately, but in general, he was something, but he's just been cooled off. He's just been made into less important in the time in ROH, Um, you know, so they've just really, really mishandled him. The gimmick where he dives to the wrong side of the ring and all that stuff, like, I, I... it could work in a different context, but I think when you have this guy who's some people think of as being an old washed up man, that gimmick just makes it seem like he's got dementia. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's, you know, yeah, like, it's, it's like they tried, heating, they tried heating him up too. Like they do the whole tournament and they do the finals with him and Marty for whoever wins are going to go on to fit, go on uh, being the title match or final battle. And they try to heat him up and it just, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel right. No, nothing. Nothing about it feels right. And I'm not opposed to anybody ever being pushed or you know making things work for themselves. It just. It just does not feel right. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if if for some reason you just had to do the the big title match uh, with with Rush at Final Battle against a uh, washed up old man, they could have just gotten L.A. Park. You know, I mean, why did it, why is it PCO? At least that would have felt special. People would have been. Yeah, like that would that wouldn't have really made a difference. You could have easily done Rush versus Park and fi- for Final Battle if that was the case. Yeah, so you know, well, whatever. Well, well, actually, no, because nah, Park, what, no one would have lost that match. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Never mind. Whatever, don't. It's ROH. Who cares? Just you know. Yeah, it's true. No one really. The show just stops. It doesn't have to even have a finish. The show's just over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the people are in the building. Like that's the level of fucking carny grift that ROH is at this point. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if they just did shit where it was like, yeah, we got the people here. Who cares? And then they just don't even have the match. Fuck it. Let alone have no finish. Um, the place is obviously a joke. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Quentin. Any uh, anything you wanted to touch on before we move on to the uh, the main subjects of the week? Uh, no, just that. D King started, and um, obviously me and you, we really enjoy when DDT does these D King tournaments. So I've I've been watching that. I've been watching that today, trying to catch up on that. And the uh, uh, Ueno versus Ishi match from the fir- from the first night of D King is really really great. And when you get around to it, you'll like it a lot. Yeah, sounds good. I do like the D King. I really liked it a lot better when it was in the early part of the year. Uh, but you know, it is what it is with it now being at the end of the year. Even though it's like only a, like a month or yeah, two like, yeah, it's like a month apart. 
Yeah, but it, to me, it made a big difference having it be the first thing early in the year than being the last thing at the point where I'm thinking about so many other, so much other stuff for end of the year stuff. But whatever, um, still good wrestling either way. Um, three, two, one battle last night. Uh, main event between Eddie Van Glam and Effie. Good stuff, I would say, actually. And you know, I'm, I've, I've gone a little hard on on uh, Eddie Van Glam in the past. Not necessarily a big fan, but uh, thought him and Effie tore down the house there, having a, a pretty interesting match. And then the only other thing that I really would give a shout out from the show was the opener. Um, so it's like the opener and the closer of the night. But uh, my guest co-host last week, uh, Elliot Tyler, Ellie Boy, uh, versus Liza Hall. Um, had a really kick-ass kind of sprinty opening match with some back and forth so uh you know shout out to that uh, a lot of big shows this weekend in the pacific northwest um but uh, it'll be a while before they all make tape but that one is already out on twitch right now for people to check out so i would say give that give that a quick watch if you if you're so inclined um otherwise i guess i don't know do you want to go in quintessential order like that's not the way that's not the right word do you want to go in sequential order of when these shows happened or do you want to just get beyond uncharted territory out of the way because neither one of us really liked it i'm at this point i'm debating if i even want to talk about uncharted territory because okay. like when i like because okay. like when i first suggested it it was like oh we haven't talked about uncharted territory in a while it'd be nice to bring it up again and then it's just fucking bad <laughs> so like yeah. i'm not even sure yeah. like you like dude like do you have anything that you really want to say about it no no, I mean, no, like, you know, Bar Wrestling did a, uh, like, a Survivor Series kind of show as well because it's this time of year. WWE doesn't even do them anymore because they don't really work. So it's kind of like, uh, why why are all these indie company trying to do it when, like, the big company can't even pull it off? Um, so really, that's what you end up with. It's mostly boring. You get a lot of people getting pinned, a lot of stuff. It's tough here, too, because a lot of this stuff feels forced like there's not a lot of story or, or background to it it's just matches um that are kind of dry um i liked the shook crew kind of their vibe and them coming out I've, I've liked them for a while i haven't seen a lot of them but i think i like their gimmick more than anything um so you know they're kind of their rap their rap before the match was was good and, and showed their personality off uh the match itself was not much to uh to write home about because it had josh briggs in it so you know it's not good um Otherwise, I mean, the only other thing worth talking about was the main event. I thought was was done pretty well with the uh, IWTV All Stars versus the kind of Team Beyond. Um, I think that they did a, a great job of of honestly having that match help build someone who's already a really hot star in Chris Statlander. Um, I thought that they really did a great job of kind of helping to solidify her star power while also. Um, kind of using it to piggyback and build up other people that were in the match so that was that was done well because she's you know she's kind of the talk of the town right now as as should be getting signed by aew you know there was rumors that she was already signed to wwe and that seems to be maybe not the case um so kind of on the back of all that controversy and stuff going on uh they used that to you know help put her over and then also help make other people look like big time stars um, really, I thought that another thing that I enjoyed was, you know, the violence is forever taking out both members of Nerd or Death Kill because that gets me excited for the tag team match between those two teams. That seems like something right. that would be fun. So you kind of tease that. Um, Manders looked great again, as always. That you know, I mean, yeah. So this the main event I thought did a really good job of telling a lot of stories and helping put over a bunch of people. I could definitely see saying it was too long, 
Um, but you know, you got to everyone to kind of show off their stuff, and you used you really used Chris Statlander as the focal point as the biggest star in the match, and uh, and used that star power to really make everybody feel important. So. Good main event. I mean, I would say check that out if you're willing to spend the time, because like I said, it is kind of long. Um, just watch that whole thing. Uh, otherwise, it's like, yeah, like pretty much a skippable show overall, mostly. It's probably the worst episode of Uncharted that we've seen so far, right? Uh, yeah, that's probably true. But that is, again, like I said, that's part of the gimmick. Like, trying to do the gimmick of like a Survivor Series show is not going to make it very good. Oh, yes. And I understand. I, I understand trying it, especially if you grew up watching Survivor Series and getting excited for Survivor Series and all that kind of stuff. But like, especially with such a kind of like thin pool of talent right now, it's like uh, I don't know if this is the best time to try this. Yeah, I mean, and you feel like you got a lot of people debuting in a Survivor Series match, and like I said, that's already a match that's not super exciting. And if you don't have any background or care about the characters in it, then it's even worse. Like, I, like, um, like I can deal with all the tags. Like, just why, why are all them elimination matches? Right, that too. I mean, yeah, but that's the Survivor Series. Yeah, thing. man. So I say, like, the, the gimmick is the gimmick makes things long and boring. I mean, like you said, the tags can be fine, but when you have to have so many eliminations in every match, it just really draws out. Every match has to be kind of long, and if you if you're not invested in it, then it's just long and boring, and it just keeps going. And so yeah, it's just it's it's a real tough sell, especially when you got a lot of. A lot of even just debuts. I mean, the, you know, the the Chicago, not even Chicago, whatever it was, um, Ohio versus uh, Buffalo match. It was like the only gimmick, the only background story was that the team Buffalo doesn't get along because the captain of the team is a jerk, right? So it's like the rest of the other team are really just afterthoughts. Why are they even there for this story? They're not really even involved in the story. So, like, that doesn't help anybody, you know? So, yeah, it's just... It's really a, a, a tough gimmick to work and especially tough in a setting like this. But uh, we'll get into NXT. You want to talk about like a, a tough gimmick to work and you know needing the background to make the stories work? I mean, they had everything they needed here. They had weeks of build, hot builds. but It's the best build they've had for a takeover in a long time. But they also had to deal with the fact that at the same time that they were building to this, they were building to Survivor Series. Right. And legitimately on NXT. So... You had all the chance in the world to tell big stories and set things up, but by the time we get to the show, stuff feels a little bit muddled. And, like, I mean, okay, we can get into the, the opening match. I think it's probably the match that suffered the most from that, in that we've got, you know, girls on these teams that are on this team together, but they're, you know, or they're going against each other, and then they're working together the next night, and they've been working together on the TV, feuding against the Raw and, and SmackDown, you know, brands. Yeah, but, but, then they, but then they still don't like each other. And it's... Yeah, so it's just, this was a tough setup. The heel team really felt forced in a lot of ways. Bianca Belair, I mean, I I saw her as being turned tweener. She worked face for a while. And, they like, and the thing of, they, so like, here, and yeah. I, I don't have, a, and I'm, I don't have a problem with it because I like, look, they got, it got Kaylee Ray on a takeover. I love Kaylee Ray. She's been one of my favorite wrestlers of the last like three or like three or four years. I really enjoy her. I'm glad to see her get get put in a position like this. But Io Shirai turned heel because of not being able to beat Shayna Baszler and just getting frustrated and frustrated. Bianca Belair turned face and was or was like sort of like you know a face you know a tweener character really. And Kaylee so Ray she, she could feud with with. Be- Belair. Right. Or not with Belair. Belair turned like face tweener so that she could feud with uh, Shayna. Yeah. 
With Shayna, yeah. And she's gotten the most shine out of anyone that's been in a match with Shayna. She's gotten a lot of she got a lot of shine, a lot of hope spots, and everything. And then Kaylee Ray has not been involved in NXT TV at all, and you just sort of throw her throw her in here. And I get it. The rest of the horsewomen, um, Marina, Jessamine Duke, I understand it. You don't really trust them in a spot like this. Okay, fine. But again, I feel like there's probably a better way to try to, to try to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, Shayna has. Again, that was kind of my takeaway is here watching the match. Shayna doesn't make sense in this match in any way. Like, she just shouldn't be in here because she does have her backup people that if she's going to be on a team with anybody, that's it. Otherwise, Shayna's constantly feuded with the entire women's locker room. So why would she have anybody on her team? For like, for all, like, for just, all this, you yeah. might as, for all this, you might as well have just turned Dakota, Dakota Kai heel, but like before this show happened. And just, yeah, and just, just have her be on Shayna's team. Yeah, like, or, or at least, like, or at least, like, get Shayna off this, get Shayna off the show. You could have did what Bianca, Io Shirai, Kaylee yeah. Ray, and Dakota Kai. Right. You could have did that. Probably a better team. Yeah. Yeah. You should have just kind of had not had Shayna on a team. Like I said, Shayna doesn't feel like she should be on a team with anybody but her her henchmen. And then otherwise, I mean, and it's fine that they're green because realistically they don't need to be wrestling. Shayna feuds with the entire women's roster. She's not really a healer face. She's got a couple of friends who come from the outside who aren't even really wrestlers. I mean, that works. And that's the way she should be presented. So shoehorning her into here as the team captain didn't make any sense. Um, then the match itself, I mean, the way it breaks down. I'm all for all the people who love to post the gif and talk about Kaylee Ray is the best, you know, women's wrestler. And she, oh my God, the heat and the heat and the heat. And it's, it's true what she did when she came out and she goes for the table and the crowd boos because she puts it down after they were chanting for wanting the table. It's great heel work. The only problem being that we had just had Rhea doing the thing where she comes to the ring and before she gets in the ring she digs under the ring for an extremely long fucking time grabbing tons of weapons to then have the next entrant right after that do the same thing just really felt like too repetitive and just too like god like where's the action where's the sense of urgency why is why are these you know people who are supposed to be coming down to get into this match and to help their team win are spending so much time digging underneath the ring for weapons before they come in it doesn't i don't know it just really feels like it takes away the, the sense of urgency and the importance of the match and it really makes the match drag out i understand the idea kaylee ray stopping to do that um sure like it worked as a heel thing but it really didn't work in the like the flow of the match thing so yeah um starting with candace obviously smart best baby face best underdog baby face you're gonna have i thought that bel-air looked um, bel-air was the only one who really had the best entrance to the match out of anybody in the, the thing she came in fiery as hell hit some big ass spots looked super impressive with her athleticism like bianca belair is built for this bianca belair is built for the war games match entrance honestly like her style her in-ring style her athleticism what she does her attitude really works in this coming in as the cocky heel who's got the numbers advantage and gets is fresh and all of that like perfect you know so so that worked out really well um but otherwise, the rest of it, I mean, overbooked. Uh, really, everything felt like it took way too long. Um, just, yeah, just honestly for me, I mean, all the plunder. War Games, historically, to me, is not a plunder match. But WWE War Games, they feel the need to constantly get weapons. And, and it sucks because no matter what you do, the crowd wants tables. The crowd wants tables. So even though you're doing all this shit with trash cans and all this badass stuff, if it's not tables, they don't give a shit. So... 
you know, that, that really hurts with the way that you've trained the fans to want all this plunder and all this garbage, especially, like I said, in a War Games match that I think the War Games itself, the steel itself should be the weapon that you need. You shouldn't need to add in so many other gimmicks to make it over. And then the Dakota Kai turn, I, I, I would have liked it maybe, but just I think that it had already been a long match. There had already been so much that it just felt like overbooking. It felt like you had gone too far at this point to now add in this. Um, on top of everything, it just – I get the idea that she's upset that she wasn't added to the team, but it's like – it's Knox, who's you know supposedly the best, her best friend out of everyone who could have been involved, um, and the fact that it turns it into four on two, and then after it's all said and done, the team with the two still wins. And I get that you want Rhea Ripley to be over, but it's kind of like, what's the point of the turn if it's going to be ineffective? It didn't affect the outcome of the match, and they still won, you know, two on two on four. I, I don't know what the deal was with Mia Yim, really, but when you have two competitors from one team not even enter the match, I think you should have had Yim if she was if it was if she was able. If she wasn't actually injured. I think she should have came out and joined the match, honestly, um, to at least help even up the sides a little bit more. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my takeaways. I really I was not impressed with this. I heard a lot of I've heard I heard some people saying like, oh, perfectly executed, greatest thing, and it's just. To me, no way. And I think that another thing that I kind of overlooked with, like I said, the way that stuff was just kind of dragged out and took too long and really took away from the focus of the match, the, the Dakota Kai turn itself, I think, took too long. I think that the big kick, the amount of stuff that she did, just I think it was too much. I think that she should have done the big kick. She could have slammed the door a couple times, taken off the knee brace and left, but I felt like it, it dragged and it took longer than it should have to get from one point to the other. Then she comes you know, back out and attacks some more. She's got to get the heel hook on. It's just like, yeah, it, I think it, it should have been a lot, a lot faster. I think that it was another thing that – I mean, this is my issues with WWE stuff in general, especially NXT. We've talked about it for a while, especially with the Johnny Gargano thing, but the – you know, the – the drama in big air quotes, you know, has to be just, it just takes up too much time and it gets over, it gets over the top. Um, that's kind of my takeaway. I think that there was some, there was some good stuff here, but I think that at the end of it, that's what it comes down to me, to me is too much melodrama, too much overbooking and just, yeah, really, really trying to force a lot of square pegs into round hole kind of situations in a lot of places. Now that NXT is an actual brand and they're getting this, this two hour this two hour show on um, on USA Network now, even now I'm still kind of concerned about how clogged up the women's division is now, and that and that's like this whole show is just the thing that it screams to me is that there is so many people on this show that stood out as missing that stood out as oh wow this person's still here oh we need to f figure out how to push this person still and i'm glad to see dakota kai get something i'm glad to see tegan knox probably get something i'm glad to see the, the, the those who are probably feud and all that stuff i love both of them and i'm and i'm glad to see them get time but between them candace LeRae probably being the big like she was the biggest face and now they seem they're, they're pushing rhea ripley really hard and now Bianca Belair still being around, Io Shirai being around, Shayna Baszler and her crew—it's such a bloated, it's such a bloated roster right now. And that was like the thing I thought about the most as I'm sitting there watching this. And I think that Rhea Ripley looks great. Me and you are both really high on Rhea Ripley. I do think turning her face-ish was probably not the best move here. 
I think Rhea, I think Rhea will still be over, but that's not Rhea's best quality. Um, and the finish was great. She looked really aw- She looked really awesome, and I'm glad to see her ha- have been booked so strongly during the weekend. But this match was definitely the biggest uh, biggest support in my in my problem. That man NXT is just such a bloated bloated company right now. Yeah, I mean they had these two huge matches with you know four on four teams, and it's still and a three-way and still it feels like we're missing a lot of acts who should be on takeovers who should be focused and you know it feels like people are just not going to get a shot anymore in nxt because it is a brand and the, and the roster is going to become more stationary i mean the roster is not going to churn as much as it used to because where are they're going to go they're not going to go anywhere because they need to be here to support this as its own brand so so yeah definitely a good point on that the stuff with uh, Rhea Ripley, I wanted to mention because we were both were very high on her early on, and then it felt like you know she got in trouble online with her uh, maybe saying something she shouldn't have said, um, and then we kind of didn't talk about her as much anymore, you know, partially because she's been gone. But then she blows up here. It's funny because I heard might have been Br- British Wrestling Experience talking about uh, Rhea Ripley and and referencing like, oh, you know, people forget that she got her her start on NXT UK, so maybe she's the only star that's being exported out of NXT UK as an important star on the main roster. But got to remember that she kind of didn't, she won the Mae Young classic. Like what kind of, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't win the Mae Young classic, but she got like far in. Did she not win it? I thought she did win it. No. Um, who the fuck had won it? I think it was, um, Tony Storm had won it, but Rhea, but Rhea Ripley had got far in it. And then she wound up getting the first, um, she wound up being the first NXT UK, NXT women's UK champion. Okay. She won the, the tournament. Yeah. The NXT Women's Championship. So my point was kind of just that, like, she was she wasn't necessarily someone who was signed NXT UK talent. She was signed as NXT and then won the NXT UK Women's title. Right. So she wasn't an NXT. So that's why I kind of like the idea that she lost the NXT, uh, the UK title, and then went back to regular NXT because that's where she was supposed to be the whole time. She just happened to have won the nxt women's title so that's why she or the uk title so that's why she was there to me that's like the logic that you know follows with her so then she comes back here and without missing a beat she's a top star you know on on the nxt brand and maybe even beyond the nxt brand with what happens on survivor series uh seems like she's definitely gonna be a vince kind of act we'll see what he thinks about her but i think that uh i think that there's probably no way vince is not into rhea ripley you know I think that feels like more like Triple H. Like Triple H is like definitely all over Rhea Ripley. Oh yeah, but I think that Vince would be too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, honestly, you know, I think I think both of them. Although Vince does seem to like, you know, stereotypical blonde women kind of more. But if he can get over that and see her for, as a wrestler and not as a woman, I think she'd be up his alley. Um, three way between Priest, Dunn, and Archer. Oh, this fucking you... sucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah. Why'd this go 20 minutes? <laughs> Way too long. It had some spots, but it was really bloated. Yeah. Go ahead. Give your thoughts on it. Why did this go 20 minutes? <laughs> like, that's, like, like, that's it. No, it's one. I haven't liked any, any bit of this three-way feud they've been doing. Like, I have not enjoyed any of this. I, you know I don't like Killian Dane at all. I've never liked Killian Dane. Pete Dunne, we... You know that's just a real frustrating name to look at, and then Damian Damian Priest is 
you know, we like we like Punishment Martinez a little bit. We saw that he could have been he was a useful spot guy. He was a fun, you know, sort of in the vein of like like a like a Luchasaurus guy. That yeah. like before Luchasaurus kind of blew up, like that's what Damian that's what Damian Priest was doing, and he was good fun. But I don't know, man. This just this just isn't a good combination of people to put together in a match. Yeah, it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. Killian Dane has really, other than a real brief moment. Um, it, while he's insanity, like has just had no felt like he's had no focus in NXT at all, um, at any point. I mean, insanity. The only reason why it felt like he had any focus is just because he was part of the group. So you at least understood, like, oh well, his thing is that he wants to help his group. But otherwise, I mean, he's constantly feels like he's a just there guy. Um, especially in NXT, this is really honestly, it's been like that everywhere. But especially since he's been in NXT, he is like the epitome of a just there guy. Um, which sucks because he's the one who gets treated as if he matters. And then meanwhile, Alexander Wolf, you know, who was in sanity with him is actually a good wrestler, you know, and could be, if they were giving him a chance, I think he could make something even like, especially comparing it that way. Like talking about sanity, Damian priest or not Damian priest, uh, Killian Dane felt like, was that, was that, is that his name? That's not his, that wasn't his indie name. He's he big demo. Okay. Um, Killian Dane. I was just like, am I falling into that thing where I'm calling him by his indie name? But he's been Killian Dane for so long that I like it, that is just his indie name or his WWE name. Anyways, when he was in Sanity, it was like, okay, yeah, like I said, if it's like default has a focus just because he you he, the focus is he cares about his group. But Wolf was able to actually make it feel like something real. Like you felt like there was an actual connection with him in the group, and the importance of the group actually meant something to him. And like, so he he's just repeatedly shown that like. It, he's done the most with the least i mean he's kind of like you know the 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 poor man's uh biff Busick, uh oni lorkin sort of like in the like making the best out of the least um not you know anywhere near as good as oni lorkin obviously um in ring quality or really in any way but but truthfully a guy who busts his ass and but yet the guy who gets the 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 shine gets the chances keeps being killian dane and and he sucks he's always kind of sucked like he, I mean, he had a couple okay matches in the past, but realistically, primarily nothing much. Um, and so, yeah, so he's stuck in here and honestly probably makes the match worse. I think that just done in Archer, better match. I think that they actually had a pretty good match on NXT TV. I think you give them a little bit longer on a, a takeover show and they probably could have had a good match. You keep, you, keep, you keep calling him Archer. Is that like his nickname or something? Or like, what's going uh, on Archer here? of Infamy. Archer of Infamy. Okay, all right. He's the Archer of Infamy. He's Damian Priest, right? He's Damian Priest and he's the Archer yeah. of Infamy. Yes, I keep saying Archer. Um, yeah, Damian Priest, Priest, and Dunn. I think could have had a uh, a much better a much better match just in a singles match. Um, like you said, I mean the thing with Priest is I liked him a lot as Punishment Martinez, and I was kind of like blinded by it. But like I actually am liking him a lot in NXT too, and I was so much liking him. I'm like this guy's got potential. He's got star power. He's got the good looks. He's handsome. Like they could make something out of him. He seems like a, like he would be a perfect WWE guy. Then I looked it up and realized that he's like two or three years older than Roman Reigns. And I'm like, well, fuck. There goes yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they it, it seems like they care about that less and less now. Right, but still, it's like, oh, why would they, you know, because I was thinking of it in, it, honestly, in comparison to Roman Reigns. Like, oh, he could be an upgrade from Roman. He's a little bit taller. I think he's got a little bit better actual, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not a little bit better. But he could be, like, the next kind of guy in that vein. But he's not going to be the next guy in that vein if he's already older than that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I understand what you mean, that he could still do something. But he's never going to hit that top level because, you know, he's just – he's a little bit too old. Yeah, but there's, um, like, real, like realistically, like, no one's at that top level. <laughs> They've, like – Yeah. 
like something something that something that we I'm gonna talk about after we do war games and I like I know that it's gonna come across a certain way because obviously like you don't watch WWE and I'm not the biggest fan of WWE either. So it's gonna come across it could come across as like just like straight up WWE bashing, but it is incredible how out of the three guys in the shield, they completely destroyed all three of them. <laughs> John Moxley left the company. Roman Reigns, they were they they've been cowards on for like years, and then Seth Rollins, they just completely destroyed him in in one year. And that was I mean, the sh- of- that was the Shield, like the, like maybe like the most like like the most foolproof act of the tw- of like the twenty tens, and maybe even of the last like. 15 20 years like okay like this worked you're gonna turn these guys into singles guys like man like there's no way this could go wrong and yet they messed up every single one <laughs> right it's like oh you guys accidentally got three guys super over all at once now you can split them apart and basically have your main event scene sorted for the next 10 years and yeah they force one out with just the most insane stupid booking you know the other one they're just like completely gun shy and then also you know he missed a big chunk of time for injuries and then also for cancer so you know don't blame him too much for that but definitely they're and a then, gun shy and then seth now. rollins they just destroyed him <laughs> Ment- like literally mentally it feels like the guy is breaking down like I, I i don't fucking know what's going on like he's losing his mind i was like trying to talk to my brother about it and i'm like I- I don't know, maybe it's because, like, the only time that he was really confident and arrogant and had, like, an ego as a wrestler was, like, in that era where I think he thought and then other people believed that he was, like, the top, like, in-ring athletic pe- 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 workout, people talk guy. People talked about it when um when he first signed the WWE, is that when he came the first came to FCW and NXT and he was, like, getting real antsy about, um you know, going up to the main roster and doing stuff and all that, that, like, Terry Taylor and Triple H and your people are like, you gotta calm down, you gotta relax, and, like... It feels like all that desire and hunger that drove Rollins got turned into the complete corporate shit licking. <laughs> right. like, it's really incredible. Just they broke all of all three of those guys down so badly. <laughs> it's, it's it's nuts, man. It really is. Um. All right. Next match: Balor Riddle. Um. I mean, really fun match like yeah like fun, fun second half the first half i didn't really get too much yeah. of it but the second half of this is really fun yeah this was good big time star power match really but also like phenomenal work crispness um i'd say the only issue just being that like finn is kind of more of a tw- like is kind of working a little bit tweener um doing pretty good here to like be primarily heel um, I thought that, you know, like the cheap shot drop kick in the corner was great and Riddle selling his ass off for that and just selling off in general was great. Um, I'd just say that that would be the only issue is that the crowd still wants to like Finn, I think, and and Riddle, obviously they love him, uh, but, uh, you know, I think that for Riddle, you want him to be the clear-cut babyface as much as possible. Um, so that would be like my only issue with the match. That said, I still really enjoyed it, you know, and, and hard-hitting. I mean, yeah. Forget that Finn can really hold his own when it comes to stuff like that, just because he's you know historically been like a, a chicken shit heel when he is a heel and kind of a pretty boy babyface type. Um, but uh, but in this setting, he he came across legit against a you know a thoroughbred stallion like Matt Riddle. It's to your point of like Riddle. I mean, um, Balor being sort of a tweener here. 
on the latest NXT, they, you know, they've been kind of been teasing that he might be online with, with the Undisputed Era. And then on this, and then on this last episode, he had Pele kicked Adam Cole. So clearly, yeah, they're going with Balor as some, as some sort of tweener, tweener figure here. And I don't know if that's going to work. I'm not sure if I'm particularly going to be interested in that, but that's clearly the thing they're, they're trying here. And I wonder how long that goes for. But yeah, I thought I thought Riddle I thought Riddle sold I thought Riddle sold really well. I thought Finn in the mo in the moments where he wasn't in control, he looked really comfortable. It feels like he's motivated as a worker again. It feels like a lot of the time with Riddle and with Balor um on the main roster the last few years, he's had setbacks, he's had injuries and all that stuff. And it feels like he feels like he was a guy that would put in the good work, but. And I feel like he, it got any it got anywhere for him after he got injured after being the first Universal Champion. It feels like he kind of lost the motivation, and I think he has the motivation here again to really prove how good he is, to really prove that he can he belongs, he can hang, and all that stuff. So I'm excited to see that about Finn. I think Finn is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers of the of the decade. I think people got too wrapped up in him not being overly spectacular where it's like, Ooh, is Finn Balor kind of overrated and all that and all that stuff. And it's no, he's, he's a good wrestler. He has a really good resume. He might not be the best wrestler in the world. He was never the best wrestler in the world, but he was always a very good wrestler. And I think that now being an NXT, getting these showcase matches, being maybe the biggest star on the brand that Finn is going to be able to, I think, show that off a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And and you mentioning that, kind of talking about it, reminded or made me think of something. It's like kind of you know he's he's not a guy that you think of as being a boo boo face kind of guy who's going to come out there and dog it when he's not in an important role. But that's also because like he built his reputation in in New Japan when he was a face that he just you know worked really hard, and then when he was a heel, his character and his gimmick denoted that he didn't really work super hard because it was part of the character. So you never really got a chance to see what he would do in an unmotivated just a purely like the only reason why he wouldn't be working hard is because he's not motivated so then we kind of seen that in wwe that maybe he is kind of one of those guys who if he's not motivated he's not going to bust his ass as much um and and here he felt motivated so good stuff um main event the men's war game um I don't know. I guess I'll let you get into it if you want to. Um, yes. If you want to start it out? Go ahead. I understand that they're trying to make the Undisputed Era like this is like their thing, but routinely, like the war, like the War Games takeovers are just like my least favorite ones, just because I just, I just don't, I just don't enjoy seeing these guys go out there for forty minutes and have this and have this sort of War Games style cage match. And granted, like War Games is, I will be fair, like War Games has never had like other than the real, like, just straight-up classic great ones. Like, the 1992 one is one of the best matches of all time. But other than that, a lot of these War Games-style matches have never really been my thing. You know, if I'm honest, that, like, ROH-TZW one from 2006, like, I, it's a really good one, but I don't love that match the way a lot of, a lot of people do. So, while I, I, can, I, I can enjoy bits of it, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really resonate for me the same way it might be for people who really love the gimmick. I've had a hard time with Tommaso Ciampa as a babyface. Um, I'm not sure if you. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I and I know why. He, I know why he's a babyface. I understand. I don't have a problem with him being a babyface. It's just not working for me. Um, you know, I get it. His career almost ended. Just having a daughter. He's in. A, he's a really sympathetic. He's in a really sympathetic spot right now. But 
the magic that he had working as a heel in that sort of indescribable heat that he was getting, that sort of uncomfortable level of heat that he was generating and how much he really detested him, it's not translating here into turning him to a, into a mega hot baby face, at least for me. Dijakovic and Keith Lee, they're trying, but... I think I think Keith I think Keith Lee is getting there though getting getting there now I think I think for a while me and you were worried that oh man Keith Lee's been there for a little, for a while now is Keith Lee gonna start breaking through and I think this take I think this takeover and I think the Survivor Series the next night showed that they do have plans for Keith Lee and that they do see improvement in him and want to keep pushing him but the Kevin the Kevin Owens and in, include in, include include him here I thought was really really strange. Yeah, I didn't. Not a fan of that, really, at all. Honestly, I didn't think he was. He made sense in in the setting. No, no granted, um, granted, I did like. Um, I don't know if you know this, but this like this would be a good nod to I think around the time you're watching NXT. But he comes out with the tape, um, with the tape lettering on his shirt. Oh the, yeah, yeah, the, the, his first NXT shirt and all that stuff. So all that I appreciate it. You know, I'm big. You know, big fan of that era of NXT. So I like I like the callback there. But still, as far as a match, other than that cool moment, and I liked seeing, um, I, I thought Kyle O'Reilly was 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 pretty notable here. I thought Keith Lee got some shine. I thought I thought I thought Dijak was getting was was starting to get there a little bit too. But yeah, it's kind of it's just long and boring, and I can't sit here and act like I care about it. Yeah, see, this match I felt like in a lot of ways was kind of the opposite of the the big gripes that I had with the women's match, and that like the 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 opening the, you know the beginning part the pre-match beyond which i guess wwe can't use that phrasing anymore because cody rhodes owns that trademark um was the best part right. of the match the the entrances were all fiery and hot the control with the uh the, the kind of the wolf pack the three member and not like it's not trying to be a reference to nwo wolf pack but the way that they stalk around the ring um with the three members the non-adam cole members of uh, of undisputed when they're in control really works super well in the setting um, as they kind of pick apart like a pack of jackals or hyenas, I guess maybe fits better. So it doesn't have that NX, that NWO connotation um, is great. And you know, all the members of the babyface teams were perfect. I think the only time that the Chompa babyface thing worked was that first part in that for the Chompa babyface character, it made sense that he came out and was like, I'm the captain of the team, but I want in the cage first and basically sold his ass off. So, Luckily, he never had to do a hot tag, which is not. Champa has had some good hot tags, but he's not really a great hot tag. Guy. He he he's so, a he was a good babyface wrestler, but he's not like a good babyface like I'm gonna be your leading face of the company kind of thing. Like when yeah. in, DIY, in DIY when they were babyfaces, like yes, he can do he can do he can be the face in peril. He can do all of that stuff. So that's not a weak point for Champa. I think it's being the leading babyface when a lot of that role went to Johnny as far as being like the face of the promos and the vi- and the videos and all that stuff when DIY, when DIY was together. Right. And you know, a lot of why DIY worked when I say that like Champa is not a great hot tag guy is that, you know, Johnny was such a good uh, kind of face in peril that you built up so much heat that the crowd was going to pop and lose their minds for whatever. So Champa coming out and hitting a few, you know, big running knees and stuff was enough that the crowd was going to go nuts. But I do think that like, He's not a guy who realistically has he has some good like fiery sequences that he can do, but it gets super repetitive quickly for him um, when he does when he kind of does that. So having him play primarily face and peril in this match, like I said, it fits. It also fits his character that he would want to be in first. 
Um, so he's in first with the crutch, and he plays face in peril for a long time. Realistically, he plays face in peril from when he first comes out all the way until um, Adam Cole finally comes in, you know, and that's when he finally is actually does any offense and has any kind of control. Um, which it's like that's when the match really turns. Honestly, it's it's very funny, and it's not just like shitting on Cole, but because like Cole, when Cole comes out, that that's when his entire team is there, and then that's when the match really changes from the opening part of the match, like I said, which is really hot and, and enjoyable. To then it really slows down and and grinds into being a stunt show, you know, and and just really gets to the point where I'm just bored. I, I'm I'm done. I, I you know I'm checked out, and it's like it really sucks that that. They couldn't figure it out on either one of these matches. Like they couldn't get both parts right to where it it, it felt like a cohesive full storyline. And, and maybe it is, you know, maybe it is. I mean, this is Dusty's baby, and Dusty's gone. And maybe, you know, just like the Royal Rumble really suffered ever whenever Pat Patterson isn't involved. Like there's certain matches that certain guys, like even if they didn't invent it, but they just they, for some reason they yeah, have the, the mind. For yeah, it. that yeah, so like, some guys. Granted, like you know. Triple H sort of tries to fancy himself as this big, like, JCP NWA buff. And clearly he takes cues of JCP NWA style things and doesn't actually understand how to do them or lay, or lay these things out. So, yeah, like, bringing up Dusty is a good point there because hypothetically, hypothetically if Dusty is around, then maybe someone understands how to make war games a little bit more passionate, a little bit more, um, I guess, emotional. Because there's supposed to be this big blow-off match, but the thing, but the thing that gets lost in war games now, and the thing that WWE has done to every other match, every other match type that they've invented, you know, from Money in the Bank to Hell in a Cell, and um, just other gimmick matches that they that they that they throw on, they oversaturate them, they overdo them. So now when you have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, no one gets no one gets excited because it's like, oh my god, these two are having a Hell in a Cell match. Same thing. We have a we have a takeover called War Games. You're doing the exact same thing. So when you do a war games, there's no one like, oh man, this is really gonna, this is gonna be good. This is where it all ends, and this is where all these storylines meet, and everyone is just so wrapped up and passionate about it. It's, no, you take all the initial fire and passion and excitement for a match like this out of the window because you decide that you're gonna use that as branding and as a gimmick instead of letting the, I guess, match type speak for itself. Yes, and and that's I mean a really good point what you said there, and also something that can get pointed out that's another huge flaw. It's 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 the same concept, but it's a separate reason for it. Is is again all the plunder, and I mentioned it in the first match, but you add in all the plunder and all the extra hoopla on top of the match, and and you like you said, let the gimmick speak for itself, and it's a really understated simplicity of the nature of the of the of the gimmick that makes it work, and and that's kind of. Maybe the thing, like, something I think about when I talk about it, I mean, the, the, the War Games was invented, Dusty came up with it, he he's synonymous with it, and and something that's, I think, maybe overlooked in the WWE parlance of it is, you know, the big part is you get all these all this fucking plunder into the match, and, and it turns into this big hoopla, but, like, a real simple part of War Games, submit or surrender, and that's a little thing that you, maybe doesn't mean anything, but, like, why have both words, right? Because... In all honesty, it kind of means the same thing. And that's the whole point that I think that, like, the repetitive nature, the simplicity that Dusty understands, the, the reason why War Games works is because the finish is submit or surrender. And even though that's basically just saying the same thing twice, it, it also puts over the, again, the repetitive nature, puts over the importance of that, that this is a battle not to the death, but till of, someone has to give up. Of will. Someone has to, 
yeah, it's a battle of wills. It's a battle of eventually someone isn't able to take it anymore and they have to admit that they can't, you know, that they're not a man. And that's another problem, not a man, you know, to, to, to use like toxic masculinity, that, that they're not valiant enough to keep going and fighting. And, and basically they have to lose the honor of admitting that the other team was better and they have to admit it. And that's the thing that they miss here in WWE also because WWE doesn't ever want to make someone less than. So they kind of still want to figure out a way to protect the losers. But at the end of war games, I mean, how many war games did at the end of it, the team that lost just disappeared? They don't, they're not a team ever again. Because, like, that's how fucking embarrassing it is to have been the losing team in war games because it's submit or surrender. It's, you basically have lost any right to even think of yourself as like a competitor because you had to give up. You couldn't, you admitted that you were not the better team, that the other team was better than you, and you had to publicly admit that, the shame that comes with that. So that kind of stuff gets overlooked in, in modern day WWE. One thing that I thought of, and you know, as I was talking about like kind of Dusty, Pat Patterson, these people who become synonymous with certain match types is, yeah, like how much of it is that like the match type, the way that you perceive the match type is also influenced by their mind because they are the people who make it so often, you know? So like maybe that's not the only way and maybe that's not the best way even to do the match, but it's like, that's what the match is because you're just so used to it. That's how it's always done. So yeah, that's like kind of the thing with, with war games here is it's really tough, I think, to pull it off well without dusty because the con the entire concept of a war games match came from his brain and and the way that the matches happened always came from his brain and without kind of really understanding that completely i don't think that you can execute it the same way yeah i don't, I don't think either of us have much more to say like it was it, like it was initial excitement you like the brawling you like the like the fire but you know it go that that starts to bog down rather quickly and I guess I have to say, are you are you at all interested in uh, the eventual Ciampa versus Cole NXT title match? I mean, it'll be better than this, I guess. I don't know. Again, that's like another thing that like the problem, like the way this match finishes, they get away from submit or surrender. It, it finishes, you know, it works, I guess, for what they're looking for in modern WWE wrestling and that it's a gifable moment with this big, crazy spot off the top. It. It creates controversy because people are talking about is whoa isn't this dangerous oh isn't that isn't that a concussion waiting to happen and all that and then like Champa pinned Adam Cole like I know Adam Cole's the champion and you could say that that builds to the match but it feels like that's like the blow off of what the title match should be and this match should finish in a way where yeah like a, a battle of wills but Adam Cole could have won if he was able to, you know, kind of use the, the setting of a wrestling match to his advantage, but he lost in a match where it was about who's got the, more of the fight, who's more of a ruthless, you know, who's going to never give up, who's going to keep going, he loses. But in this in this case, because of having it in that way, it, it does kind of, for me, take, a, take away any excitement I would have in a match between those two because you just already showed me, like, kind of the finish of their match. And, and sure, like, Ciampa wins, so that's the excitement he's going to win the title, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that it would be a better match. It'll definitely be a better match for them to just have a regular singles match, even a gimmick match. I think Adam Cole is actually, I've talked about it a bunch on podcasts. I think Adam Cole is pretty good in gimmick match settings. Um, yeah, and, then obviously, and then obviously so is, Ciampa, so is Ciampa. Yeah, so I think that that'll be better and more entertaining than this, but also it could go insanely long, both those guys. I mean, actually, Cole's done a pretty good job in, in NXT not going long, but Ciampa has been in some of the worst long matches in NXT. I don't know, Gargano and Cole. They went all. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but that's also that's also Johnny Gargano. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. So, we'll see. You excited for it? 
I'm conflicted. Like I, I think I've seen enough from Cole that yes, I I know in the past he's been a, he's been a good wrestler, but I think in this spot, like I was worried, like okay, now you're being the play the play thing of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. How's this gonna go? And I th- and I think for the most part he's been he's been good. He's been mostly good in that. Champa's Champa's tested it in ro- in the role like that of being the big long overly epic takeover takeover main event guy. So. I think it'll be good, but it's it's just gonna be really tasking, and I just wonder how how well they're gonna be gonna be doing actually building to the match and wanting making you excited to see Champa versus Cole instead of it being like oh man Champa versus Cole like that's gonna be a good match. I wonder how they're gonna add any like story elements to it. And granted, like with NXT so far on TV, we've talked about it, it's been the great match show. They do cool shit. Like they do, they do cool shit and cool and good matches and all that stuff. Like on this last episode, they had Undisputed Era versus Keith Lee and Dijak, Larray versus Dakota Kai, Leo Rush versus Tazawa, Finn Balor versus Champa, and that's what you're gonna get from NXT TV every week. Now you're gonna get these big like shows with a whole bunch of cool looking matches. But I'm wondering when Champa versus Cole, Cole happens, if there's gonna be any sort of emotional investment in it. Well, and that was the thing about Ciampa when he was hitting that stride where I was, like, in awe of him last year and just, like, constantly gushing over how great he was. It was was because he was getting to be on the NXT show that was kind of hidden away from the stereotypical WWE structure and getting to have it emotionally investing stuff and the character work and all that. And then now that NXT has turned into the wrestle show with the good matches, it's kind of like... Is he going to get to do anything that would is going to make this matter in his, uh, you know, in his run to the championship again? Like, especially as a babyface, so he's already hindered in that, and that he's not as strong as a babyface. Um, and on top of that, he's not even going to get to show off his kind of his best work in that in like kind of, uh, you know, the emotional stuff, the storyline stuff. Okay, is that is that us for the, is that it for us I this week? I think that's us. I think that's us for this week. All right, you can go ahead and follow the Twitter account at QNCR. And we're getting close. We're getting closer to the end of the year. So top 50 wrestlers of the year, wrestlers of the year, the tradition that me and, Tim, that me and Timothy, Timothy do. That'll be coming soon. So be on the lookout for that. I checked your phone and no surprises. She's grinning from ear to ear in purple So take your orchids elsewhere, elsewhere. I loved you to death, but now I don't really care. Cause you're running around over there, yeah, you're running around over there. Don't really care Cause you're running around over there And now I don't really care Cause you're running around over there I'll miss your t-shirt in the rain The one that makes you look like Jared Wade Eating grapes in the back of the party Throwing hands cause she drank your Bacardi I know it's kinda dumb But I miss the way you dressed all punk With 
the black and the studs and the ripped up gloves, but she loved your tough guy front. So take.